Welcome to Speak Up for Oneness Media Australia, affiliated with Awake to Oneness Radio in the United States. This program is dedicated to speaking up for oneness in the world. Oneness is a living awareness that we are all one. Many people are awakening across the world to realize what they see in their world is a reflection of themselves. As we take responsibility for our thoughts, our words and actions, we start to experience our world changing. Oneness is the lived experience of peace. Hi, I'm Susan Crew, and I'm here with Margie Joy. How are you? Thank you. Now we're going to talk about your background and really explore this issue of oneness. So we might start with a little bit about your background. Can you tell me where you've come from and where, where you've come to? So uh, my, I guess born into a family of three girls and I had a father with uh, a very severe mental illness and a baby sister and a sister that was famous as swimmer, Australian swimmer and so I was kind of in the middle and um, I was a sensitive, born sensitive and nobody really got me, especially my mum, she used to say she didn't understand me but I knew what was going on underneath everything, I had a perceptive ability and knowing about what was going on and I knew that my and wished that my dad could heal even back then so but I felt really helpless and really struggled through lots of very inappropriate things that happened to me as a child through that and then when I was a teenager I was bashed up by my sister's boyfriend and I'd been naughty and knocked on the dishes and that was why I was being minded by them and then I was berated and told I was wrong for that. So interestingly, you know, as a soul then I started to believe that I was just essentially naughty and bad. And so How old were you at that time? I was 15 right. when that happened. And did it happen the once? Did just once and it yes. was on a very big impact and... From that then I met a man, a boyfriend and thought I'd fallen in love and I had and he started after a while being abusive and I thought, well, he'll get better and he won't do it anymore and I really wanted a family. I just wanted to have children and so I had three children with him and the abuse got worse over the, the years and I was a trained secondary teacher but I always knew, I always struggled with that because at school... I didn't want to judge the children. I actually couldn't see the purpose in giving them an A to an E because I knew that the children that were struggling were doing the best that they could with the circumstances they faced at home or whatever and so that felt very unjust to me and I was so sensitive to the environment. Really not great in an institutionalised setting. So um, I was just so ecstatic to have my first baby and actually having babies and children was just my... I was just in absolute joy to have them. But I noticed some things happening when I had my first baby. What they would call postnatal de depression in women now is that when we give birth, our inner child's wounds come up. So I started to feel a lot of the pain around my father's mental illness patterns, of course, travel through the DNA and the sensitivity. And he, in fact, was a very sensitive man but never found his true calling in life. And they medicated him and gave him ECT treatment so this poor man never got to know who he was. What's ECT treatment? ECT is when they send electric shocks through the brain. So as a child, I would watch my dad go into this mental hospital and come out with the powder on the sides of his head over and over and over. And he had no memory when he came out, so he couldn't remember anything. Did he remember you? 
he did remember who we were, but it but he was often really not kind of present. With it, present. Yeah, he was not really present. And then um, eventually, by the time I was about seventeen, he was placed on lithium, and he sort of settled down. But he never really had joy in his life because it just made him flat sort of all of the time. So uh, my mum really carried the the load for everyone there and she was a beautiful angelic woman actually full of unconditional love so we were very fortunate in that way but uh, she did when I was going through these um, issues with my husband she would say to me that all relationships are difficult so there I started to have this belief that all relationships were difficult and I stayed right so I stayed and I stayed felt like always within I was breaking down because something never felt right with teaching or being with him but because I'd been taught not to honour my own knowing Mm -hmm. I'd been disempowered all my Mm -hmm. life and told I was naughty for hiding in cupboards when I knew that people were not safe or situations were not safe when my father clung to me in bed all night because he thought my mum was going to die and I was seven no one listened to me that that was inappropriate behaviour so I was always wrong or naughty or just being silly or, you know, so eventually Mm. you don't trust who you are anymore. And so I didn't follow my own knowing and I I just stayed with my husband and he got more and more abusive. Can you tell me a little bit about the abuse? What sort of abuse was it? Uh, Very verbal abuse and mental and emotional primarily, but... When it would get would when it would heighten, he would have me up against walls, but not actually strangle me, but just energetically strangle me. He'd have his hands around my neck, and um, he'd go off with guns in a car, and he'd keep me me emotionally low. So I was always on this sort of roller coaster. Was that like eggshells? Yeah. So everyone was walking on eggshells, and he went from passive aggressive to verbally abusive. And the children, you know, would see the car coming down the driveway and so we knew he was going to be coming home and what kind of mood would he be in. So life started to revolve around his patterns, Mm -hmm. which was really, I was always in protection of the children and made sure as to best I could that they were okay. But of course we can't really protect our children and as souls they've chosen us as parents to go through the journey they're going to. So why did he behave in that way, do you think? Um, his mother had actually hung herself in the garage and left five children. He had a very abusive father. And so the soul, what I have discovered through my journey, and I'll get to that a bit further down the track, is that the soul attracts, uh, comes in and it's chosen to relive in this lifetime the, the situations that will raise the wounds that are still in the soul and are carried through. And that's in the DNA. It's inside the soul. So in the, the law is that the soul will attract all to it all that remains unhealed within it until it is healed. Right. And so that's why he felt abandoned by his mother and so his fear was that I would abandon him. So what the flip side is is control and manipulation in order to hold you there so he wouldn't have to feel that abandonment because he'd actually not been allowed to feel it when they're... When his mother died, they were not allowed to tell anyone and they had no expression of emotion. So what I have learnt through all my journey is the way through to healing is to feel it. Yes. And you must feel it to heal it. And it's interesting when you cast your mind around society, around the world, and how there is such a deep suppression of emotion that it's seen as a weakness to reveal it. What do you think about that? 
So, so what I understand from my journey as it travelled along is that at the moment there is the feminine aspect within both the men and women for both of us, so the male and the females. We each have a masculine and feminine side. So the masculine is the action-orientated, more assertive side, the, uh, the physical orientation, and the feminine is the nurturing, the gentle, the allowing, the receptive, the feeling side of us. And for years, the zeons, the masculine has dominated. And the way through for the change of everyone to understand who they are and to actually heal and come into union and oneness within themselves is to bring in this feminine approach into life in every aspect, the physical, the emotional, the mental and the spiritual. It's to bring the gentleness back. So no more hard pushing. It's like gentle, pull back, receptive, loving, kind and bring in all those beautiful virtues that have always been written about in patience, kindness, compassion, love. And when we become that within ourselves, then the planet will be healed. We come into union with ourselves and we can come into union in relationship with others in every aspect of life. So looking at bringing that nurturing energy in, for people who are listening to this who may not have heard this type of language before, they might be saying, well, that sounds interesting, but I don't really get it. Like, how do I... If I'm a man who suppressed my feelings and I'm feeling angry because I'm not heard or, or I feel I don't really understand what's going on for me, what does that look like if, if they want to heal but they don't really know how to? So what they will see is actually a mirror in the relationships in their life. So they will, particularly in our very close relationships... Mm -hmm will actually feel the anger rise. And so instead of actually feeling it and finding an appropriate place to feel that, and that could be going out for a walk and actually feeling, physically feeling the anger within. But what happens is they project it at others and blame others for their feelings of being angry. So give an example of how a man would do that, or even a woman, because it's in both cases, isn't it? Yeah. So in terms of anger... So a man may not feel he has control, of, say, of money. And so he comes home and his wife has been and paid bills and spent money on the children. And he picks up a bill and he sees that there's, you know, X, Y and Z on, you know, a visa bill or whatever. And he will just let fly at his wife about money because he's actually angry that he's not understanding and he feels he is not in control of what's going on. So he will blame because it's easier to blame someone else than to take responsibility than in fact if I actually went out and did shopping or whatever I, I did and I was actually involved in the process of that, then I wouldn't need to blame someone else. Or otherwise I could develop trust in the person that's doing that as opposed to looking for a scapegoat for someone else. But this will relate back to something that's happened where they in their childhood or in their soul somewhere don't feel... There's anger stored somewhere, so everything will trigger it. So road rage, that's if you're storing anger within the soul, and it can be from this life or any lifetime. The soul has a memory that's come through. It's why we've come into consciousness now with this to actually heal it. And so life mirrors us opportunities. They're actually opportunities to heal it. So if the man is bringing in that nurturing 
energy in order to transform this anger, how would that express itself? Like, how would he do that? Well, he may actually opt for more gentle ways to... He would actually see the stress in his life and his approach to what's going on around him and the way he would start to own the fact that he is angry, it's not someone else's fault he is angry. And so then look for gentle ways that he might actually release that anger. Yoga. Even yoga is bringing union of sun and moon together, yin and yang, dark and light, and that is the feminine and the masculine. It is the anger and the gentleness. The thing that is so important that I've learned is that not to judge emotion as good or bad. We've come in to have a human experience, to experience all emotion, from the lowest to the highest. So when we can experience fear, despair, anger, grief, right down at the bottom... The deeper we can go into our own and feel it and let it release through tears. And even if it's anger and we need to punch a punching ball, we're better to get it out of our body than store it. It's very toxic to the body when we store anger. It turns into cancers, all sorts of things. But if we release it in tears or, you know, physically in some way... Or even um, writing. Or writing. There are many, many ways. Getting on a yoga mat brings us in. It allows us to release those feelings out of ourselves and become aware of what's actually going on within us. But the most important thing is not to judge the feelings, to actually just acknowledge them and do something with them to release them. So so if we were in a situation, let's say we role-played this a little bit, and you're the man who's come home and I've spent money and he's going, oh my God, she's spending all my money, is what his thought is, let's Mm -hmm. say, or your thought if we're playing the sound. So you're thinking she spent all this money how could you communicate to me what you're feeling in a way that doesn't harm me? So you'd actually begin with, I feel powerless when you go and spend money. Or I feel angry. I feel angry. You've I've just spent yes, my money. Yeah, and, 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 and I don't know where it's going. Could you actually share with me what you need to purchase or buy beforehand so then we can join in and be a bit more together than actually one of us just going off? It's about communicating with openness and honesty. So when people can actually express their feelings in their communication, that's when life changes. And it doesn't have to be aggressive because what you said before was that you were experiencing verbal abuse. So that could be something like, um, you know, you do all this to me, you drive me crazy, Mm. you just go off and do your own thing, you never talk to me or you're not listening, rather than I don't feel heard. And when you do this, this is how I'm feeling. And what I would want is this, a shared decision-making process. So what we're really talking about here is problem-solving. Definitely. Together. So the person's not causing your pain, but you're feeling this pain and projecting it onto the other because you won't own it because you're afraid. Mm. Would that be right? Because you're afraid to feel the anger. So it's easy to project it, but actually to feel it and own it, it's very scary because we've been taught not to feel. And particularly, that's the masculine aspect. And so particularly, I have so much empathy for men because Mm. they were not actually Mm. given permission to feel as children. Girls still struggle with that as well, but not so much as the men because the men were just told, toughen up, you know, it's, it's like not good to cry and all that. And the tears are the cleansing of the soul. They're the way through to the soul. They allow us to feel. And and the important part, the most important part, 
the more you allow yourself to feel the fear, the darkness, the everything we would judge as bad in society, the greater you can feel the joy, the light. So it's it's like a scale as far as you feel down this way into the darkness, the further you can feel in the lightness. So then the soul starts to lighten. And well, we it's releasing, isn't it? It's releasing. You get a release. So you will know when you feel yourself. If you have a good cry afterwards, you might be right down here. And so if you're feeling... De depression is suppression of emotion. It's holding it in. It's resistance to feeling what we need to feel. And, and children don't do that. Children just are natural. They do what they need to do. They feel sadness. They cry. They tell you when they're angry. They're, and we tell them not to be. So that's a really key point, which I'm going to re-emphasise. Suppression of emotion causes depression. Yes. And I want people to really hear that because we've been taught that it's a weakness and this is a suppression of the feminine yes. within yes. both men and women. Absolutely. We're told it's a weakness. Don't show your weakness. So men often go to the pub. They have a few drinks. I feel yes. better now. <laughs> yeah. But the truth is it's still there until it's released. And they actually then develop addiction to suppress feelings. So any addiction is actually just a, a suppression of feeling what they haven't felt from childhood or from past in the soul. It's still stored in the soul. We just keep putting a lid on it, lid on it, lid on it. And the older we get, it's like just builds up within the body. And so you see it in people's bodies. You see it in their faces. It causes ageing and, and disease within the body and um, unhappiness generally. Uh, and happiness is really feeling peace within. But when we've released all of those negative, stored emotions that were repressed from as far back as, you know, in the memory, then naturally just inside is a natural happiness and joy and peace that develops within the soul naturally and life changes. Mm. That's wonderful. And, and of course, the journey you and I have just been on is one where you had the experience as a young 15-year-old of being abused and then coming into a marriage of abuse. And of course, you've got this wisdom which you've just shared with me. What happened in respect of that marriage? Did it end or did it continue? So uh, in 2006, I was a secondary teacher and I was on a school camp and I got a flu virus and it got in my inner ear and I developed a brain injury from it and I was very, very sick and ended up in rehab learning to walk and talk and read and it was very, very challenging and in that six months the abuse really heightened and so... Mike's husband would pin himself against the door when I was in bed and say, you know, get out of bed, you fat, lazy bitch, and go and work. So I discovered that my worth to him was only about earning money. My worth was always collated to money with him. And so after having lots of kinesiology and healing from a beautiful friend of mine, I actually got me up on my feet. And after six months, the abuse had just got so much worse because I wasn't earning money so my worth to him was no longer there. I just was unable to teach anymore because I couldn't do the things I used to be able to and it wasn't a visible thing so you couldn't see this problem, vestibular problem with my brain and balance. So my life at that time was completely out of balance and I'm very passionate about teaching and helping people create balance in their life now, which is actually balancing the masculine and feminine within ourselves. But it extends out into every area of our life. And so when I finally left in 2007, he actually said that 
he would punish me till I was dead and that the revenge had only just begun. And it was a huge journey of destroying our house, painting red lines over every crack, pulling out all of the fittings out of the house, burning my, my personal items, changing locks, chasing me, you know, and I tried to get protection and back then there was none. So thank goodness since Rosie Batty's tragedy that things have really changed. But he was even, as I tried to get protective orders, he was able to and was the last man in Victoria to be able to cross-examine me when I was trying to get an intervention in order for protection for myself and my children. So it was very, very traumatic. What was that like in that sort of feeling? How did you feel in respect of your own safety and your children's safety with him threatening you and saying that he's going to pursue you to the end of your, your life? Was he going to take your life? Did he express he, that? Um, well, we, I tried to use a changeover centre. So actually, what actually happened, I'll just skip forward a bit, so 18 months into it, he planned and abducted um, my youngest child and he'd worked on him for that time in his head and the power of the mind and being told that I was no good and he, my son thought he would have nothing used to say to him. I could hear it. He had him on the phone every night saying, you know, if you stay with her, you'll never have anything. You'll never have anything good. And everything I bought him, he put down. And so he used money and items and possessions and things again as a, as a mechanism. So... Um, he planned that he would take him on this particular night and so he made my son lie to me about where he was and he was missing for an hour and a half and we went looking for them and couldn't find them and when we did, I had my daughter in the car with me, he rang triple O and even with an intervention order, the police went to him first. And so I actually had no protection. There was just nothing. It just seemed like everything was kind of going against me. But fortunately for me, I do understand the higher aspect, the spiritual aspect of life and looking in from a soul's perspective, certainly down the track, because uh, it took me on a journey of a mystic and I ended up, I wouldn't have been able to go through this journey and understand what I do now if I had have, had have not lost my son, because in fact, I have never seen or spoken to him since that day and no matter what court system or anything I went through, no one could help me because by that stage his brain was so brainwashed that he, his father took him to court to get him to say to the magistrate, I never want to see my mother or sisters ever again. And the power of that was just so incredible because the longer he had him and the more time, the more time he had to work on his brain and to convince a little boy that he didn't need a mum. And we had a, the truth of our relationship and love is that that morning before he went, he's giving me the most beautiful koala cuddles, and he always did. And so I know the truth in my heart of our relationship and when he can awaken and understand what actually happened to him, that he's grown up now without a mum. What would you say to him if he was listening to this? Uh, just how much I adore him and always have, and, and how, like as a soul, I, I guess we contracted for him to allow me to go through this process so I could clear my soul right back to the beginnings and feel such deep despair and loss and grief to the core of my being over and over so that I could feel joy for who I am without attachment. And um, I, in amongst all of that, did yoga teacher training and, you know, I used to look at the sutras and, uh, you know, one of them is about non-attachment. And I thought as a mum, 
how can you unattach from your children? You know, they're part of you. Yes. They're of you. They're, they're part of the cells of your body. But I've done it. And I love him and my love for him is stronger than it ever has been. And most importantly, what I did learn through the process was love of myself. And I have come into oneness with me, the masculine and feminine in balance within my own soul. So how did you achieve that? Because, I mean, these things that you're saying, these are incredibly difficult experiences like with the illness uh, where you had to relearn mm. uh, movement and you know speaking and mm. what have you and then you have a loss of a child and you have to learn non-attachment what did you find most effective in terms of your own awakening in terms of processes that you went through that enabled you this freedom so um after about three and a half years um uh, he threatened that one day I'd wake up and there would be a shotgun uh, at my front door in my face. And so I had quite bad post-traumatic stress at that point and every time I opened up the door to a person selling energy or whatever, there would be a man on the other side of the road and I was never quite sure. So adrenally I had extreme adrenal fatigue and so I decided that I needed to move away from my hometown and move probably far away to a beach to recover. I needed nature. I knew that much. So I left all my family and friends, everything, and I uh, went to live in a country town by the beach. So I was actually alone. And so in aloneness, I journaled every day. So one of the most beautiful things to get to know your own soul is to start to write. And so it was... I could barely get out of bed a lot of the time. I was just so sick, so dizzy... Um, so weak um, emotionally, mentally, physically and spiritually just absolutely broken down so on every level and I had to allow myself and one of the most incredible things is the judgement that I felt from everybody because I wasn't mm -hmm. working I looked to everybody else like that I was just this helpless thing but in fact I was quite aware that there was something much bigger going on for me and when I moved, I actually didn't know anyone in the town that I went to, which to have no family when you're really sick, but my safety was paramount. And uh, mm -hmm. I had studied health and human development years ago, and I always remembered Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm -hmm. And at the bottom is safety and... Yes, um, physical needs. Yes, physical <laughs> needs. And for me, right at that point in time, was all that I could manage was just to stay afloat basically to eat and think of how I could try and get well and I had always been so sensitive I couldn't use drugs so really for me it was homeopathics and natural remedies and yoga and meditation and writing and anything nurturing walking on a beach my pets because they're so unconditionally loving and very interesting one of the greatest healing things that I had in my life was that the first person I met in this town was my twin soul. So I met the eyes of a beautiful man as I was looking for my house. And that relationship, as it turned out to be incredibly painful because a twin soul mirrors to you everything within your soul that is unhealed. So any relationship that we have actually has that potential as well in every situation. So if I had within carried within my soul 
rejection, feelings of rejection, and I'd never felt them. Because as a child, we don't have the capacity to know that it's okay. We, we get stopped from feeling. So we don't know how to get that out. We feel rejected, but we just store it. We don't verbalise it. We don't cry it out. We, we just keep putting it inside somewhere until it just builds up like Mount Vesuvius. And it blocks our inner knowing and our sense of who we really are because we're so cluttered up with feelings that are unresolved. So what actually happened is every bit of rejection, every bit of abandonment, every bit of fear, every bit of despair, <laughs> every bit of everything that had never been addressed in my life, of everything from it seemed like right back to the beginning and my understanding of the twin soul now is that it actually clears the soul for my soul group and for my soul right back to the beginning. It's been a very long process and it looks to everybody else like you're completely dysfunctional. But I actually know my own soul right to its core. I know every strength and weakness, every gift that I have, and it is such an amazing blessing. So as you travel through what's known as the dark night of the soul, that's actually the clearing and the cleansing to allow you to be the true spirit in human form that you've come to be. And yet there'll be people who'll go through the dark night and suicide, believing mm. they can't take the pain. So what you're saying here is that this is actually the very levy of liberation. Freedom. Yes, because you have to face your demons, as they say. Every <laughs> single one. And there were so many yeah. times I was yeah. on my knees, down like I was in a mosque, you know, yeah. hands down, praying, praying and praying. And the most important part of my journey through this is that I started to see why we go through this journey because we develop patience, kindness, gratitude, just for the most simplest of things. I felt so abundant, and yet I looked to everybody like I had nothing. It just, I had no one around me, and I had no love actually being physically given to me, other than from source, to know that I was actually protected, and this was a process I was going through, a mystic's process, to actually be able to connect with my true self and with source of our creation and, and find joy within myself, with nothing else. Not external things, no job, no children to cling on to, no partner to cling on to, nothing that mattered particularly. So, um, and not even really physical health. And I, I, I sort of smile when I, <laughs> yeah. when I hear your story because I hear my own story in your story. Yeah. In the sense that you can't know love until you love yourself. Absolutely. And you can't know that self-love when you're in a group of people. Mm. You have to actually be isolated Much. in order to really be able to see the dark and the light Much. within. Yes. And so life conspired and even this ex-partner was yeah. part of this game, this play, this role. Yeah, absolutely. That played out in order for you to be put into a position where you felt total breakdown yeah. and of course Eckhart Tolle talks about you know trauma when people go through war zones or they're yeah. in great trauma and they've had everything taken from them it's like a collapsing of the ego yeah. on itself yeah and it's only after that sort of collapse that we have this incredible experience of connectedness with spirit or soul yes. or source yeah that we rebuild so it's kind of like this phoenix experience isn't it 
definitely the right phoenix rising and interestingly um there have been many beautiful people that I sought help from along the way, obviously lots of books and things like that. But the twin soul journey is one that forces you to find within yourself, firstly clear the soul and then come into balance masculine and feminine, but within the, the, the mental, which is one of the main things, the wiring is just so crazy in your head, you feel like you're going to go mental because everything that is not in truth, any belief system that is not in truth with love because the twin soul journey is about becoming love and then when your vibration raises because you've felt every low vibratory uh, emotion which is like fear, fear grief, anger. sadness, anger, apathy, shame it, there was so much shame attached to not having a child with me that people used to say to me, judge and say there must be more to this story if you don't have your son you know, and I had been the most loving, kind, gentle mother because essentially that is my nature. My true soul is so compassionate, loving, gentle and kind, as is everybody's. But the layers that have been placed upon us by what we've come in with from previous experiences of life around the universe and then with our families and society and schools we don't know who we are anymore. We've lost the sense of connection that we are all love. That and we're all made of the same stuff. Every animal, every every part of the whole universe is made from the same things. And we're all love. And we're all here to support each other. And we can't live without each other. So as I've found with the Twin Flame community around the world is that they're all there for each other to help raise our each other's vibration so that we can all come into union with it in ourselves. And the most beautiful part about this is when we do, we draw our twin in the male form. I'm female, so I draw my male twin back to me. And we will demonstrate the truth of pure relationship, of relating when it's actually equal, honest and beautiful and true love. And that's something that is fairly rare on the planet right now. Now, this twin flame of yours is not spiritual, is he? No. No. So isn't that interesting? That well, Not that, consciously. No. But how did you... Because people would ask, how do you know that's your twin flame? Like, how can you know that, they would say? So you feel when you have connected very strongly and spent enough time in silence within you, which I had already done before... So I had trained in holistic counselling in 2001. I'd done yoga teacher training. I'd trained in teaching meditation. I'd done lots of spiritual work myself. I'd run groups for women um, back then to help them develop self-awareness, uh, to learn how do we balance our life, how do we nurture that inner part of ourselves, how do we bring in the gentleness. Um, and, and so... I guess you're vibrating at a particular, particularly quite fine place, to, but you haven't done all of the work. So you've already got to a particular place of awareness when you do meet them. Just so before you continue then, mm. I just want to throw in the question of vibration because, for, again, this is very much a language within this yeah. type of community, yeah. but for people out there who, who would think, well, what does she mean by vibrating? Okay, you know? so there is a psychiatrist, um, David Hawkins, and he's written many, many books. One of them um, is called Healing and Recovery. And in Healing and Recovery, he has um, a chart and he's he's actually worked out ways to 
measure the energy vibration of emotion. So they're calibrated in hertz. And so the, the vibrations we consider as negative uh, vibrate at a lower rate. So maybe down at 25. That's why we feel down, yeah, isn't it? Down. You can it's feel like your energy down. drops. Yeah, the energy drops. So yep. there are lower vibrations. So you feel you haven't got the energy. You feel low. And then when you feel them and you've released it and you've cried or whatever that may be, your mechanism to get or you've gone for a walk in nature, you've written about it, tears for me are the best way. And if I actually feel it and cry, afterwards I go, oh, there's that sense of relief. And so the vibration of the energy and that emotion lifts up. And even if it goes from despair up to sadness, that's a, that's a step forward. So if you're feeling really, really depressed and you're right down there, every time you feel the depression, feel the sadness, feel the grief, feel whatever's being suppressed to keep you down there, you start to rise up. It's like the story of the donkey who was in the hole and the farmer found him and he was down a well and he said, I'm really sorry, donkey, I can't get you out, so I'm just going to bury you. So he shoveled dirt on his back and the donkey went, no, I don't want to die yet and stomped down and the, the farmer kept shoveling the dirt in and eventually he rose up out of it. Yeah, he stomped down all the dirt. And he, and he came up out of the, the well. And it's exactly the same. The way to heal is right through there. You've got to feel it, shake it off, feel it and move up. And it builds and so, you up builds you up so you feel it down there and then you come up and eventually you see there's nothing left down there there's just no more despair you've felt it all but it took me 16 years but six years of really solid work but this is because I need to be a guide to help others to do this but for everybody there'll be a different level but no matter how much you do in this life that's going to benefit you the more you feel it the more you'll heal it and the more you'll come closer to love of yourself and then for others. And if we are, each of us become, be the change you wish to see in the world, which is what Gandhi said, it's just coming into that loving, peaceful space within ourselves. The world would be healed. It's a really simple thing. That's really interesting and that sort of opens up that thought form of people think they want to go out and save the world and people put a lot of effort into, we've got to save these people, we've mm. got to, you know... Um, make the world a better place but they don't necessarily turn that inward to themselves like you can see activists who get yep. very angry who want to see change mm. but they don't realise that they're actually the anger that they're feeling mm. is That's what they're preventing that out. change yep. itself so because they're need, connected to everything we need to come back to self the most important thing is to come inwards and feel and heal ourselves so take responsibility for what is going on for us first and that's the most beautiful thing about the twin flame. So when you actually personally come in uh, to love and the vibration of love, you attract and draw them back to you. And there comes the union. So when you have union within self and you start to vibrate out love, your actual body starts to physically vibrate at the vibration of love mm -hmm. because that's what you emanate. And so people are naturally drawn to you because you are loving and love and we all are essentially in our nature we're all the same we all came from love and we all go back to love but we have the opportunity to live heaven on earth at the moment by understanding this this is my understanding and the wisdom of relationship which is my business it, it's about how is this relationship of everything in life the masculine and the feminine bringing everything into balance and then seeing the mirror from everything that comes our way 
And if we're fortunate enough in this lifetime and the more work we do, the greater chance we have of attracting our twin soul to us, the other half, the masculine of us, the masculine version, to live the most majestic kind of male and female relationships that you could ever imagine. And yet there'll be many people across the globe who don't believe such a thing can exist because they see the role of women, the role of men, mm. but they don't understand that once they let go of all these control mechanisms, mm. and that's in both women and men, yeah. they free their partner, the partner's then free to love them as they are and they can celebrate this union without any control whatsoever. There's absolutely no control then because what happens in the mirror is that you have to own and look at your own control and manipulation. All of the patterns that exist in the male-female relationships, so much to do with sexuality, so much to do with just codependence and why people stay in relationships because they're too afraid actually to be alone with their own soul. So they would rather stay in something. But for me, my soul was driving me because I listened to my soul and I couldn't stay in anything that wasn't in truth with my own knowing. So we have a knowing right in our solar plexus, in our just um, in the centre of our tummy really, just to the side. And that's our inner knowing that guides us if we listen to it. We have to be silent to listen. And we're so busy in the masculine action orientated world out there doing all the time to sit and be with yourself just quietly is the first port of call. So, so, so unemployment could be a good thing, right? A really good thing. <laughs> <laughs> and particularly in a world where things are overheating um, to the extent that the system's collapsing. Yeah. So people are working, working, working on this treadmill and yet globally you can see that things are actually collapsing. Yeah. So the way of the world won't be the same in the future. It will really change because my belief systems growing up or the belief systems I grew up with that my worth as a person was about what job I did and having had a father who struggled to stay in a fairly um, okay kind of job. Uh, he did, but it was very low-grade sort of work and he was in and out of, you know, mental hospitals and all that sort of thing all the time. So I decided, well, if I got a university degree, then I wouldn't be like him and I'd be okay and I could do a job. But I was a sensitive as well. And so being in an institutionalised school system and watching children who I felt for them because I'm an empath. Naturally, I feel for them and knew that what they were experiencing was quite traumatic a lot of the time. And that I just wanted to teach children to cook back then because I, I taught food tech and, and nutrition and things like that. And I just wanted them to learn the joy of how do I look after myself and cook for myself. But I had to give them grades out of 10 for everything. And it felt so wrong. So life it seems to be about we judge everything. It seems to be about performance <laughs> and what, what money Being we're going better to Being better. I have an amazing, my, through my experience of not working for money because I was too sick and the judgment I received, my family thought if I just got a full-time job I'd be better and they actually verbalised that to me. I was mm. just so sick people mm. couldn't see that. So the way people treated me was that I was sort of a bit stupid or something because victim, I didn't work. Probably. Yeah, a victim. Yeah. But I was in a really deep process that was way, way more important than any amount of money could ever be. And the money in abundance will come for me now and I will always be supported. But I 
one of the most important things I feel is, well, if there wasn't money, one of my questions to everybody, if there was no money involved in anything, what would you be doing? What you love. <laughs> what you love. And I love helping other people find their inner self, their soul, and know their own soul because then they will follow their own path and, and come to love themselves. They'll have beautiful relationships, be working in something absolutely adore, and the money will just come. It'll be nothing to do with having to go and to the grind nine to five every day. Who said that was any way to live? And, and I think too there's that perception that we live in a finite world and there's only limited wealth. Yeah. So we've got to get our piece of the pie and this is where the competition comes in. Yeah. And I have to make sure that I get the best paying jobs and then from that my identity is connected to how much I'm earning, my prestige yeah. and by contrast... Anyone who's not earning that or in that clique is considered less. Yeah. So we are creating inequality through mm -hmm. a money system which yeah. rewards not necessarily the jobs that are going to sustain the planet, but it's rewarding jobs that are considered to make more money. Definitely. And that's our imbalance, mm -hmm. isn't it, with the earth itself. And the masculine and feminine again. Yeah. And I was treated through that time like I was worthless from so many people and... I'm highly educated, highly intelligent, and above all, I know my soul and love my own, who I am. I know my gentleness, my kindness and compassion, the things that really matter. So the virtues that you learn mm. through hardship and through the journey of a mystic, and we all have the capacity to learn those, even if we're not having to teach it. But they're the things that really matter. And when we treat others and ourselves primarily with that first, have compassion for self, kindness, Compassion is at the top of the vibratory scale, above love, because it's the to actually walk in another's shoes, to imagine what that feels like, to be someone else, and to truly have loving compassion means that you must have gone through the process of forgiveness. So surprisingly to everyone, I have forgiven my ex-husband for all that I have been through because I know his soul has contracted in some way to support me to know who I am because in this lifetime I get to live as an enlightened being and actually live heaven on earth and experience all of those things. If I had not had him as a mirror to understand my own self-abuse, all the thoughts that I thought about myself that I'd been shown through my life and I held within me, I wouldn't have been able to clear them. So there's always the dark and light of every situation, the yin and yang within Yeah, interesting, everything. isn't it? Because people bad, you know. Forgiveness not. is not a one-time mm. thing that you go, well, I mm. forgive someone. It's mm. a deep process of feeling the feeling. So, yes, I felt anger. Of course I did. I was furious. I was sad. I was beaten. I, was, I just was down on my knees, my hands and knees, just praying that something would shift because day after day the pain of the emotional pain of loss and grief and sadness and of losing both of my parents, my job, my I had nothing to hold on to. There was nothing external. I only had me internally to work with and my creator and feel that love from somewhere because there was nothing external for my worth to cling to. So that's really how we come into oneness with ourselves. And then we see the oneness that extends beyond that is actually that we need each other. So every person that came into my life showed me my judgment of myself. 
So if they were reflecting that to me, that meant I still had it in me. It was still in my soul. If I felt judgment, it's not them, it's in me. If I felt fear, it's not out there, it's in here. So I had to feel it, feel the fear. I would go outside and just shake, let it all out, no matter how many times that happened. And when you've got post-traumatic stress, that's a lot of times. <laughs> when um, I would feel the sadness, I would see a little boy riding his skateboard down the road or something, I would feel the deep, deep sadness again. I would come inside and I would just cry and feel that again. The other thing I used that was just so essential in my healing journey were flowers, flower essences. So the world, once again, this mirror of everything being there, the plants have also a vibration they hold. And the wisdom in those is that they resonate different vibratory hertz, the same, to lift us out of the despair naturally. They're not a suppressant mm. like antidepressants. They don't, de they don't suppress it. They allow the emotion to come up and out. So I've used hundreds of them, and I've got about 100 of mine, different ones from all around the planet. And they each have a different resonance with a different particular purpose. And so that helped me heal because it kept bringing it up more. And that's why people often go into nature, don't they? Yeah. For because, holidays because yes. they're trying to feel peace. Peace, because the resonance mm. comes from that. So if you follow the guidance of your soul, it actually teaches you to what vibration you actually need, what you need to help you. And there's many, many you know, different forms of that and many, many different healing modalities that help. But the bottom line of everything is still about the, the feeling. If we can feel it, we can heal it. And the help of everyone that comes into our life around that um, is very, very important because they're all mirrors and all guides to us. We're all guides and teachers to each other. What would you say are the key lessons that you've taken from life as a result of this experience? That it is really a journey that's of allowing um, your soul to be true to its own self, to its own knowing, mostly. It's like really connecting in deeply. You get guided by fear. So fear also serves us in a really positive way, not just love. So when I would be in jobs and situations that don't serve me, because my purpose on this planet is to help others heal, but I was resisting that because it's a bit out there. <laughs> I thought, I've trained as a secondary teacher. <laughs> Instead, I had to come in and be some spirit healer that, you know, it just seemed like not something that I was comfortable with for ages because I didn't understand that was I was fighting against who I really am. I have a wealth of experience in many lifetimes of helping others heal. And so it was actually coming into my own knowing of who I was and accepting that as strange as it seemed and as kooky as my family think I am. It was just like, that's actually the truth. And I've healed, so I'm walking proof of what mm. actually you can do. And doctors had all said to me, you will never heal from post-traumatic stress and a brain, in brain injury without drugs. Mm. And I did. Mm. That's wonderful. And you and I talked earlier and you were mentioning a spirit guide, Ranjit. Yes. So, so if you could say a little bit about Ranjit... Well, I love Ranjit. <laughs> so who's Ranjit that you So um, about um, 18 months ago, um, and I was a long way into my twin flame journey, but the twin flame journey is very, very challenging because the mind, you have to clear the mental part of wanting to attach to this person. 
So you have to unattach again. And you're both going off on your own journeys, so it's like still bringing you into your purpose. So I was still denying the fact that I was a natural-born healer, we'll use that word, but guide, teacher, of spiritual and of wholeness, how you come into wholeness, how you come into oneness with yourself. I was fighting that. So I was walking along here, along the river, and I saw this shop, the purple dragonfly, and actually my mum was dying and all of last year for about five years actually and she passed away at Christmas time and I was feeling so bad and I sort of came in and I looked around and I thought oh, I really need some energy healing I need someone that's really high vibration a really someone that might understand what a twin flame journey is about that it's to clear the soul and come into one I wonder if there's anyone in there that might know that so I wandered in and I had a look and there was a man named Dave and he did energy healing and I thought mm, that'd be good and I booked a session and I came in and so what I discovered is Dave, this man, is able to meditate and his soul leaves his body and a beautiful benevolent group or man named Ranjit comes in and pure spirit sees every grid line in your body, every energy line, the meridians, and he works on your body, but he's my guide, and he started to teach me that I, as he healed through some of the remaining parts that were still not in alignment with my soul, my all my 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 bodies that you can't see, so the emotional, mental bodies, the etheric bodies, that the energy system that flows out from the physical body is what he works with and brings it into alignment so you can come into this wholeness to help others. And so he has been training me and teaching me so that I will be able to also work with him to help others. So it means that you're then able to work clearly with energy and the person that is on the table, you work and you can see their energy field and you start to be able to clear what's blocked within it. But because of my understanding of emotions particularly, that's my strength. So going into the feeling part and working with that. So Ranjit has been instrumental and incredible in actually teaching me of how we are all teachers and guides to each other because every person that's on the table gives me the opportunity to learn and grow and develop more of my gifts as I work with them and help them heal. So you'd be a hands-on healer then? Yes, so as I okay. put my hands, I will be, I'll be guided to place my hands where the energy is needed, where it's blocked, and then that will release. How does that feel for you? Do you do, you do what Dave does too? Like, do you leave, does your spirit leave and Ranjit come in? Or well, that's happens? the next stage of my evolution. Mm. So that is what I'm Working um, looking forward to. Yes, and so he... Ranjit and I have had a very loving relationship always in spirit and he said to me we've worked together before and we'll work together again and that's the next chapter I guess for me as it evolves and we have a very deep connection so yeah it's absolutely beautiful yeah so hopefully he will start to speak through me to others and definitely help me so when I as my from my human experience and my soul's experience, if there's something I don't understand, he will always be there to guide me to help others. That's wonderful. Just wondering, as a last question, 
What do you see in the future? I see my twin and I together so that we can create a healing centre where people with no matter what's going on for them can come and receive healing and hopefully my my wish is that I'll be able to help people with cancer and things like that to actually heal, take them right back into their soul just to help people to learn to love themselves and that this planet will change very quickly because for each one of us who come to this place of oneness and love within us we affect our entire soul group, not just our family, our soul group. There's hundreds and thousands of people and so it's just the most important work on the planet that we could ever do and it's all unpaid. <laughs> <laughs> Often, and that's what Often, love, yes, love is. It can, love is it can like come that. with an exchange as we get really great at what we do, but, but it's not our motivation. No. Our motivation is to heal for the love of others and ourselves. So you have a website I'm gathering. I do. Yes. What would that be? It's called um, Wisdom of Relationship. Yeah. So if people want to contact you, they can contact you through there? Through there or margiejoy333 at gmail.com. Well, Margie, it's been absolutely illuminating and exciting talking with you. And I've certainly seen through your face this beautiful warmth and wisdom that comes through as you start to connect into your purpose yeah. here. And it just goes to show that even though we go through hardships and trauma in life, these things are kind of ways and means of flushing up um, the various parts of ourselves unhealed until we get to a point where we've collapsed that ego and we're then allowing that beautiful love and energy and light to come through so yeah. that we see the world as it truly is. Yeah. So I'd like to thank you very deeply for sharing your story and what you're doing for people today. And I very much look forward to hearing more about your journey in terms of Ranjit and, and where that takes you. Yeah. So again, thank you so much for your time. I Thanks, really appreciate Susan. it. Thank you for the opportunity. Lots of love to all. You've just been listening to a fascinating interview with Margie Joy. Just some of the key points that she raised in her discussion was to do with father issues in her early childhood where her father didn't have joy and had psychiatric issues and that the mother had to carry the load for the family. The parental roles, in a sense, set her up for life. And she said one of the core things that she was taught was not to honour her own inner knowing. She described her domestic violence situation with a husband who had mental and emotional abuse issues. And as she stated, his own mother had hung herself and he hadn't fully dealt with the emotional issues with that. He'd suppressed them. And so consequently, in his relationship with his wife, this anger came up for him and control and manipulation. And as a consequence, of course, this had impacts on his own children and her marriage to him. However, the wisdom of Margie revealed that she saw herself as a soul going through an experience. She saw him as very pivotal in terms of being a catalyst for her having to deconstruct herself through a collapse, through an emotional collapse. And she understood that relationships play out as mirrors in one's life. So anything that's not fully healed, which she identified as childhood issues that were not healed, and even in his case too, was clearly this play out of problems that both of them had had in their childhoods. And rather than become the victim where she would believe she had no choice, she actually chose to dive into these issues and heal herself. So thank you very much for listening to the show.